Welcome to our weekly, we mean weekly Wednesday Shear, again not Wednesday night. The Rav HaKol is out, the community is out to see him Rambam, see him Shas. They should see to it that it's Poyal, Shu is Pekhar of Aretz. And through the tremendous Achtus in the stadiums and in both places, both locations, <coughs> anywhere around the world that they're going to broadcast this, there should be Shalom and Shalva, there should be peace, there should be unity, and the Shuwacha Vashemish Matseis Kavyako, Meat Vadilam. Mazatov to all those that were Messiah Shas. I personally am not making a CM shot, so I'm not going to do anything on the shoot today as far as that is concerned. I will keep the regular venue of Parshas Vayigash. We do need to mention, though, date wise, of course, tonight is Hey Teves, the day that the Svarim were returned. And again, recounting that story is not, it's necessary, but it's not what we're going to do today, recounting the story of how the Swanam were taken from the Rebbe's library, the court cases involved, etc., and ultimately the Swanam returning today, and the Rebbe talking about the Didan Notzach, the battle cry of Didan Notzach when the Sitra, Akhra, was chased out of a town when the unholy spirits were chased out of a town and came to above the water and the story, which we've already spoken many times. Therefore, on Heitavis, do need to mention though, the Rebbe said it's a holiday of Svarim, it's Yamta for Svarim for books, and it is not recommended but actually suggested more or wouldn't say imperative, but it's become customary that one buys a safer on Hey Tavis. And here in Crown Heights, Bala Hashem, Hey Tavis is a very big yamter in that way, and there are svarim to be bought <coughs> for very, very reasonable prices. And some svarim they take off between 40 and 50 percent. So if you do want to buy a svarim, today is the day to come to Crown Heights and to buy the Svarim tonight, tomorrow. I'm sure it'll extend over the weekend. One Varta we repeat annually, Vayiga of Yehuda, Yehuda comes to Yasef, Yasef is sitting on the royal uh, throne, surrounded with royalty, And Yehuda is not a happy camper. Now that Binyamin has been taken captive, Yehuda steps forth, Vayigash, Yehuda, and Medish tells us that this Vayigash was not just he stepped forth, he stepped forth. The entire Pism and Ramses fell down. 
and he stomped his foot and out of aggression not anger out of aggression the hair on his chest tore through his armor through his shirt to show strength and immediately Yosef's son steps forward and sends him flying and you think it was very shocked because such strength is only found in Beis Yaakov in the house of Yaakov Avinu where does it come off to this person to have this strength another question in general is well we know where he comes from because he is from the house of Yaakov being Yosef's son but the question that's asked Yehuda was a politician, Yehuda was a king and as a king and then start telling him and appeasing him and saying don't get angry, don't be upset with me you're just like Pari, you're so great, you're so special it doesn't work that way diplomacy is the first, first act when diplomacy doesn't work then one perhaps applies pressure why come screaming, yelling, banging on tables and when that didn't work start talking with diplomacy the answer is when it hurts we scream we don't wait when someone God forbid slams their finger on the door burns themselves they don't negotiate with their limb and say ok finger ok hand, ok skin, ok arm ok body this is going to hurt a little bit. Are we okay with this? But immediately a person screams. First reaction to pain. Very rare, few, far between, are people. Are there people that can actually control their emotional outburst, exposure to pain. Hence, Yehuda was in pain hurting for his brother and therefore his first immediate reaction was that of a Yiga of Yehuda pounding his foot and telling Yasef his brother needs to be let free, set free Yasef confesses to his brothers and they come together Right in the course of the parsha, Yosef teaches us a life lesson. Talmud writes a parakid Beis and Tanya. If either le'malev la'meach is a tina v'sina chasusholim. If it comes to a person's heart or to his mind, God forbid, a tinge of hate or revenge or jealousy or anger or just plain not being happy with somebody else and as such, The Alter Rebbe writes, It's an obligation, it's obligatory of a person to drive this out of their minds and hearts. 
And to do the opposite, mamish. To do the total opposite. And to treat the Snaigim Chavelim Minas Chesed. And to treat the fellow Jew with Chesed, with kindness. To accept from him. And even it means Lisbel, to actually suffer from him. To. Tzara would be suffering. Lisbel is to tolerate. Just to tolerate from the person to the umpteenth level, but not, God forbid, to be angry. And of course, not to pay him back. But just the opposite. To treat him nicely, to bestow upon him kindness. It says, to learn from Yosef and his brothers. It's a little surprising, this whole story. We understand a person needs to overcome their emotions. A person sometimes needs to, I mean, we've been subjected to certain things in life that we find very hard to put behind us. But, according to Teda, rather to take Nikama, rather to take revenge, and you'd have to be stronger than strong to totally forgive and to find compassion for the fellow Jew. But to forgive and to say, okay, I, I'm over this, I'm, I'm finished with this, but I don't want to have anything to do with this person, is almost acceptable. But to actually look to do good for the person, person wronged me in a very, very bad way. Did horrible things. Now you want me to do him good? To be kind to him? So this we learn from Yosef. This is what we take and we learn from Yosef HaTzadik. This is why the al writes to learn this from Yosef. By Yosef HaTzadik the brothers didn't just consider doing something wrong. They had full intent to do horrific things to Yasef. Still in all, he calls out, he sees them, he says, Elikim Choshva Leteva Lemarasik Hayim Achis in Rav. I find, I found God's ultimate good in this. How he wanted me to be here, to have food for everybody, etc. He paid a hefty, hefty price. He went through a lot in, in, in base Petifar and Asia's Petifar and in the prisons, etc., etc. He went through a lot until he achieved, until he reached his goal, not his goal, this mission that Hashem put him on. None of it was good. None of it was pleasant. He suffered daily, beyond what we understand in suffering. And in the beginning it looks like they beat him up, and they sell him as a slave, 
and he ends up in Egypt, and all the torture, torture he goes through, it's like a pretty bad situation. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, we managed to find a silver lining around this, something that's that's almost able to fix this. So since they were the ones that caused this, that ultimately turned into good for Yosef, therefore Yosef pays them back. The Gomelan Tevis, and he wishes them and does them good, gives them their money and their gifts, etc. This is how we have to learn in our, our very life. These are the very words, as is brought down in Sefer HaTanya. Shikashem Shibin Adam Shuhu Bal Bechira Mikalei Eimakeu Eimazik Mimeinei The person that has a choice, curses and hits him, or damages him financially, the person needs to know any payment the person has to get back in heaven they already pay him back they have it all written out and whatever happened to this person happened from God we'd like to sometimes see that person being paid back We'd like to see that person suffer like you suffered. Sometimes we do, visibly. And sometimes we don't know what this person went through or is going through. And therefore, as far as we are concerned as human beings, as creations of a God, and as children of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, we need to not only put us behind us, we need to be Gemel Chesed. And as the Gemara, if you keep your score at home, Baruch is Samach Amit Beis. Rabbi Akiva says, called Avad Rachman Avid. Whatever God does is for good. No such thing as bad comes down into this world. From comes down from above. If that's the case, if it seems to you that your fellow Jew damaged, hurt you. Still in all since Hashem it all came from God. Therefore it's clear and it's sure that this doing, this deed that the man a person did to you was for good. And because they did good for you, they ultimately did something that was good for you. Therefore you should be paying them back. And that's what the Altarebbe says, Chayiv, one needs to, one is obligated to do so. It is extremely difficult, but we see from Yosef, who could have possibly think, everybody has avasatsma, everybody loves themselves, and therefore everybody thinks that I went through more than Yosef ever thought of going through. What I suffered at the hands of this person Nobody, not Yasef, not Eve, nobody suffered like me. Taylor tells us you should do some 
Mizuzu checking. That yes, you suffered. We're not doubting it. And for the most part, most people that cause suffering want to apologize. Feel bad. They regret. They don't always get a chance to do it, to tell it to you, to show it to you. But they do. They are full of remorse and full of regret. And therefore, since Hashem made them, unfortunately, the shliach, to put you in this predicament, they made this person, the emissary, to put you where you are today, you must delve into and find the good. Find the good in it, so that you will see cold Avad Rahmanullah and so that you could ultimately turn around and say, Listen, Hashem will pay you back for what you did to me. I have no reason, no need to do you anything more. Or maybe Hashem has paid you back already. In the interim, now that I see you or know you or meet with you, I can only thank you for where I am today. Yosef Atzadik meets Yaakov. Vayemi Yisrael Yosef Amusa Hapam about to die. According to the simple intention here, Yaakov was now that I've been with you, I can die in peace. Now that I know that Yosef is actually alive, I'm at peace with myself. But we need to understand. He knew from before. When he was still in, in, in Israel, Yesus sent him already all the messages and signs showing that he was alive. Why was he not at peace already from there? Musa, Sefer Musa explained this. Sefer Musa explained this. When Yaakov and his family came to Egypt, he found need, as we're going to discuss, to set up, establish a Talmud Tera. And Besmedesh. Yaakov thought, is it then possible that since Yasef is now in Ezra Mitzrayim, the Erevas Aretz, the lowest of lands, and he's in such a high position, something must have affected him from the severity of Egypt from their customs from their lifestyles and therefore I cannot rely on him per se to establish these yeshivas if that's the case Yaakov had to concern himself on his own just as he was in Israel to set up and establish himself in Mitzrayim. But now when he meets Yosef, he says, Whoa! Yosef really took care of himself. A Musa Apam. 
I have nothing to suspect, nothing to concern myself, nothing to worry about. But what does Yaakov do ultimately? He sends Yehuda first. The Heide is the fun of Geishna, to prepare in advance in Geishna. He sent Yehuda to establish a place of Torah study, education, in the city of Geishan, before the rest of the family arrived. As we said, this was necessary to have a learning institution, but why by Yehuda rather than Yasef? They both have the right intentions, convictions. Yasef even proved, proved, proved himself to be on a higher spiritual level than Yaakov's sons. He was preoccupied with Egypt, running the country, feeding the country, running the finances. And yet, still in all, he devoted his full life, his full freedom, his extra moment, every extra second, to the study of Tatum. But he had to do it on free time, which is not much of it was. With no other care in the world. Whereas the, the Shifta Yudke, the brothers, they were shepherds. They had really, they could sit back, let the sheep eat, drink, be merry. And they sat and studied Tehra. Not Chasashon, this is negative on Yasef actually flawlessly filled, fulfilled his mission, his godly mission here. Although he was totally engrossed in the interests of Egypt's national interests. He was still on par with his brothers as far as Torah study. But Yehuda, as Yaakov saw it, had nothing else to concern himself with. And therefore he said, Taylor education, Taylor study and education in Galatian should be done by the family that's nothing else to do. Because this ultimately is the power plant for the entire world. And therefore, the Torah study here should be devoted by people uh, devoted and dedicated to only Torah study. Even though Yasef did everything perfect, he even shows his father his ksuba to show that he's married according to Tata. To show his Tanayim also, which was something that wasn't always done then. But still in all, Yehuda was sent. Because only he was capable of founding this issue. The very emotional moment of Yosef and Yehuda's, Yosef and Binyamin's rendezvous 
He fell on his brother Binyamin's neck and he wept, and Binyamin wept on his neck. Yosef now revealed him his identity to Binyamin. So obviously they embraced each other, they cried, they wept on one another's shoulders. According to Rashi, they prophetically cried. Yosef saw the destructions of the two temples which will be on the part of Binyamin. And Binyamin saw about the Mishkan will be in Yosef's territory. Shile. And therefore they wept for each other's Khurban. Why? When they saw what happened in their own territory, why did they not cry about that? So in practical terms, crying only is a coping mechanism. It alleviates slightly the pain and sorrow, but it doesn't change the source of your grief. Except for tears of tshuva. Repentance. Which are in themselves person's rehabilitation. The knowledge that appear is bringing a a spiritual rune upon himself upsets you. Definitely upsets you. To know that spiritually somebody that you're close to is going to fall into an abyss. But we know that only he could stop that. You can't stop that. You can pray for him, make every effort to lead him in the right path. But you've been unsuccessful. So obviously his impending runes brings you to tears. For the pain of such devastation is great. And you know there's nothing you can do to stop it. So much so, so much so, when you become aware that you're bringing root upon yourself, don't start crying. You have to do something. Crying can distract you from doing what you have to. Because you're consoling your pain with that. And you're consoling yourself and saying, eh, this is why Binyamin and Yasef, Yasef and Binyamin, not cry for their own, they cried for the other ones. To cry of their own issues would have entirely missed the point. Whereas when Yaakov meets Yasef, and Yasef cries over the destruction of the temples, Yaakov doesn't. So perhaps we could say, because he was saying Shema, but how are you saying Shema peacefully? Being brought to the awareness of what was going to go happen here with the temples being destroyed. How could you be peacefully saying the Shema with all the proper intentions? Teretz. The Teretz, my friends, is tears are tears. Action is action. Yosef cried over the destruction of the temples of what happened in Binyamin's land. 
not his. Yaakov, it is his. Because it's his sons, it's his. And therefore, instead of crying, did something. And his davening and his dedication, his devotion to the way he was treating the, the issue, this is what ultimately came through his Shema. This is what we do accomplish through our prayers. We don't sit back complacently and cry. We do, says Yaakov. So sometimes we see things that are so obviously not in the right place. So obviously falling apart, Chas So obviously drift, drifting away. It hurts. It hurts. It hurts enough to make you cry. It hurts enough to try to fix it. To try to put yourself into it. But if one just sits and cries about it, nothing ever will come of it. Yosef sent wagons to Yaakov. And the wagons that came, Yaakov saw them, that he sent to carry him. Yaakov's spirit lived, was revived. The next portion of the Tere starts, Yisrael says, it is much, Yosef my son is still alive, that I almost have to go there before I die. I need to go see him before I die. In case his father doubted that he was actually still alive, until he until he'd get to Mitzrayim to see him physically, FaceTime was down at the time, WhatsApp's down, Tango was down, all videos were not working, so you could not actually see him. So the text could have been sent by anybody. Yosef sent a sign to confirm that it's me. He sent Egla. Agola is he sent. And Agola is a wagon, and Egla is a calf. They spell the same. Yosef sent these wagons alluding to the topic, the last topic that he and his father were studying in Teda before he went off to see his brothers and got sold, which was the laws of Egla Arufa. Egla Arufa is decapitated, a calf that gets decapitated to atone for an unsolved murder. Chaman found that body in the field that body was found in the field, and therefore, an Eglarufa is brought, and the whole process we've discussed many times. When Yaakov saw the wagons, it says, His spirit was revived. He was certain that Yesu was actually alive physically and spiritually, still living the tater they studied together 22 years ago. In the next verse, though, 
where he says, Ravli, Ravli, it's too much, it's a lot. My son Yezev is still alive. Again, he's showing the spirit, he's the, the joy and the pleasure that the spiritual existence and life of Yezev and strength was still there. The power of my son, he says, is great. He endured much suffering and yet remained so righteous. He is greater than me or than I. How so? The theme in essence here of the two verses are one. And yet, traditionally we separate. And this is a problem, this is not a problem. Depends on your chumish, depends on your minig. There's some that start reviewing from Vata Tzvesa Zesasu, and there's some that start from Vayim Yisrael, Rav Eid Yisuf Chai, So by doing this, though, we're getting a, we have a message. It underscores these two distinct aspects of Yisuf's spiritual endurance that impressed Yaakov. First verse describes Yaakov's revival of spirit. He recognized Yasef withstood the challenges and maintained his attachment to the Tera. But Yaakov did the same. In Lovon Garti, I lived 20 years with Lovon. I also maintained status. I didn't slip an iota. I remained the same Jew or even better. So what's the kunz? Yasef affected his surroundings as well. Yasef influenced his environment. Not allowing to, his environment to affect him was one thing, but to affect the environment that was even greater. He, inv- he influenced the Egyptians spiritually. On the second total ent- second entity, excuse me, a second total different aspect is why we read this in a separate portion. The power of my son is great, and he is greater than me. But we ask the standard question: twenty plus years, you don't see your father. You keep inquiring and asking, Is my father still alive? Is my father still alive? They say, Yes! And you reveal yourself to them. Why does he not pick himself up, get the fastest horse, fastest camel in Egypt? Actually, they're famous for horses. So he had the fastest horse in Egypt and stride over to Yaakov. Yasef asks his brothers, Maru Valu Elavi, hurry up, go bring go up to dad, to father, my father, Umahartem Veiratem is Avihena. Hurry up to bring him down here. He's not going to see his father that many days it's going to take them to come back. If he would travel with them, 
or even before them, he would see his father immediately. And yet, he says, get him over here first. Why was he still pushing his brothers, hurry up and go and bring him down? Why did he not go, Akibadav, and go visit his father? Yaakov was not a young man. He was not a spring chicken. And he suffered plenty over the 20 years, 22 years, without Yosef, not knowing where he is. And according to Tata, a very interesting note to point, which I believe we've done also before, Chavonah son, which you never know of it, if someone passes away, you see the people, the relatives, immediate relatives, children, cry uncontrollably. The next year, the outside, they cry again. Each year on the outside, they'll cry a little, maybe. They sometimes don't even make it to the grave on the outside anymore, after a few years. They don't definitely don't stop middle of the day and sit and cry and lament over the person, over the parent. It's Badik Manusa. Everyone goes through the same thing. You'll never see somebody crying a year or five later the way they cried by the funeral. Says the Tana, Akash Baruch Hu gives a certain power called Shikha, a little forgetfulness. This forgetfulness helps us overcome our mourning. Even during the week of Shiva already, you'll see people, you'll see families talking, laughing at a joke. Sometimes they laugh and say, it's not nice during the Shiva, we're laughing. But that's what mommy or daddy would have wanted. Or the Nifta would have wanted. Yet, a person who doesn't get over the mourning period, something strange. And we find that Yaakov never got over it. Yosef left. Yosef was taken away. The children came with his coat of blood and told him, and he understood, or he said also, that an animal, a wild animal killed him. And guess what? He sat Shiva and could never come back to himself. He didn't drink wine. He, he was just in mourning perpetually. And by being in mourning perpetually, he said to himself, I know therefore that he must still be alive. Because once a person dies, once a person passes, there's a concept of shikha sets in. We begin to forget them. But since Yesus was still alive, he was mourning and being tortured on a daily basis for 22 
there is this horrific pain and suffering for the missing son that he's missing, that he knew and felt the life was still there, and therefore could never really, could never at all shake the original moment, that first shock that he was given when he was told his Yosef was dead. So he really took a, took a toll on him. So what's Yosef thinking? Why is he not jumping up there to see? Why is he waiting for his father to come down? Let's look at the words of Yosef itself. In the words of Yosef, he says to the Shvatim, he says over three times, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him down to Egypt. The Referring three times how HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent him down. It's all God's mission. Nothing to do with them. Why repeat over and over and over? This is therefore, according to what we just said, he explains why he himself cannot go up to his father. Because he's in Mitzrayim on Shlichus. Not just Shlichus, but Shlichus for Kaddish Baruch He's the Majbir Bar Kol he supports and supplies food for the entire country. And therefore he's not capable to leave Egypt. But, he doesn't want to wait until he has the Zdamnut, until the famine stops and the people of the country is back on track and therefore then only to go to see him. So therefore... Therefore, he says, bring him quickly to me because I can't leave right now. So Yaakov could see him as quickly as possible. He begs them, hurry up and go to my father and quickly bring him back to me so that we can once again reunite and not have to wait until the land is settled and could be on its own without me. And he sends his father, we said, ten donkeys to carry him from the best in the land. But he also sends him, Shalach Yayin, as she says, he sends him Yayin Yashan, old wine, Shtas Skenim Lechemenu. All the people appreciate it. We have to look into this. person wants to be jolly with a friend, wants to be happy. Tell them a new type. Not to the, the one that's receiving, the recipient, to get this matana. How do you know his father didn't have old wine?
You want to send him something he doesn't have. How do you know his father didn't have all the wine? Even in the years of hunger, from the Buzzard it says, teaches us that the famine was only the wheat. Grapes were there plenty. Anything else grew, grew. Therefore, if you're on a spelt diet, you were great. If you have an oak, you, oat, you were great. And wine, there was plentiful. So how do you know you didn't have wine? The Pasuk says, V'yishtu v'yishkiru imei. He drank and he imbibed with him. Umiyev shemachrul leishosu yai, Rashi says, from the day that he was sold, Yosef did not drink wine. Yaakov did not drink wine. V'lehu shosa. Yeah. And neither did Joseph. They didn't drink, sorry, the brothers didn't drink, and neither did Joseph. So therefore, Joseph took for granted to understand that neither did his father. He was in too much pain, too much mourning to drink wine. So therefore, now we understand the Kiddush and the pleasure. That would be by him when Yasef, his son, is reunited again with him. And if he sends him a nice bottle of old wine. But why Dafkayai and Yoshan old wine? This comes to imply and to hint to Yaakov on his attributes of Emunah Betochen and in God. While he was in Mitzrayim, that although he was in in exile, twenty two years, and the entire time he did not drink wine, still in all, Yosef had Yain Mishumer, wine that he watched. So much so, it's now Yain Yashon, because he knew confidently, one day he would once again unite with his father. And therefore, he sent him the old wine, showing him that I've had this prepared, and I've been waiting for this day. So the end of the parish, the Pazik tells us, it says, Hei lechem zera, the parish says, Hei lechem zera, zeratim esadama. Zera, Plant the fields, plant the the, the, the ground, the land. When the severity of the hunger and the famine in Egypt, and the Egyptians came to Yosef to ask him for food, Chazal tell us. He gave them an idea to get brisen. He recommended, have a bris, then I'll give you food. And the Pasuk hints it, when the Pasuk says, In the Kisfarizal, it brought down that their action of having a bris caused Yasef to add their spirituality in Mitzrayim 
thereby sharpening the mice goals and shayim. The intention of Yosef was a good one. He wanted to give Egypt also a little bit of spirituality. Therefore he asked each one to have a bris. He wanted to spread Kedusha in the entire world, even with Shayim. Ervasara, it's the lowest of the lands. So what's wrong with this? Why was it taken so wrong? Because the mistake was, it was his own opinion to do this. He did not have a directive from God to go out and circumcise the entire Egypt. When one does that, when one does something on their own accord, you don't necessarily always see the best results. And you're very likely and apt to cause an addition of Chayus and Tumas Mitzrayim and to strengthen the exile afterwards. Meshach Rabbeinu had the same issue. Similarly, when he left Egypt, Meshach took with him Erev Rav. And he did this on his own without getting a message from God, a directive from God, to do so. And ultimately this Erev Rav caused the sin of the golden calf. Thank you, Moshe. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells it to Moshe, your nation that you brought up, your people, that Erev Rav that you decided you had to bring, you decided on your own, and now they destroy, they're doing wreaking havoc. We need to take away a lifelong lesson for this. We need to have our own opinions, obviously. Make our own decisions especially when it's a good thing. To be Makar of a Yid, being closer to Teda, to give him love of Teda, to each and every Jew. But we need to do this according to the commands and directive of God. No Pshadas, no Wishiwashiness, no cutting corners no fitting in the tater to fit their mold now those that say that our situation the correct situation you can't be mocked on every corner of a yud so they're not to push away the ones you want to be makarev. So he's married to a shiksa. So he didn't have a bris. So he drives in Yom Kippur. 
There are those that ask, oh, look away a little bit. So that the ultimate achievement can be accomplished. We need to always remember that even Yosef and Meish Rabbeinu caused unwanted situations when they did things on their own. So much more so people of our level. Years ago by Asifas Rabbanim the meeting of a bunch of rabbis someone got up and said when there's a fire we don't check the water to see the quality of the water put out the fire if it's dirty water dirty water do whatever you have to and therefore he wanted to say not only if the terror that your ideas are giving are a little tainted a little awkward a little off so what main thing is that Judaism should be spread no matter how it comes across the Friedrich Rebbe said, the previous Rebbe said, that a Pshara in Tera is not dirty water, it's gas. And therefore raises the fire. If you're in a fire, you see a fire, and you want to extinguish it, and you take a bucket and you don't measure how clean the water is to see if it'll put out the fire or not, Fine. But you can't compare that to being Makarav Ayid. You can't compare that and say I'll curve the I'll curve the tire a little bit so that he'll get his Judaism. So he'll see Judaism. Because instead of worrying about dirty water that you're throwing on the fire you might be taking a bucket full of gasoline and throwing it on the fire and thereby have it combust so there are no pshadas there are no corners to be cut when it comes to the karav a yid tavir but the Mishnah tells us though pikyavas Pedic Aleph Mishnah Yid Beis, if you keep me score at home. Having a Talmud of Shalaran, you should be the students of Aran. Aeva Sabriyas and Makarvan the Teda love the creations and bring them closer to Teda. There are two sided messages here. From one side, you have to love each and every Jew, even those just the fact that they're creations of God even those that are the most wicked and evil and lowly and have done the worst to you or to somebody else, you need to love them just as well. On the other hand, you need to bring them closer to Teira. Them to Teira, not Teira to them. You need to bring the person close to Teda and not to be Makarev and to tell Teda, okay, Teda, do what you can. See how much you can put into this person. We do not have an obligation to worry about the Teda. 
not any more than a Kaddish Baruch has to. We're not requested to do things on our own. Only when you do it according to Teda, according to the Ratzon of Hashem. Only then are you Zecha to truly be Mekar of Yehudim, Yidjus, to Teda, to Teh Simcha V'tuv Levav. Unfortunately, most of us have not discussed, had any conversations with God directly. But there is Das Teda. There are Rabbanim. There are Batidinim. We can go always and discuss how do I go about doing what I want to do? How do I go about it that I can accomplish? And this is what you will hear God's directive through Das Teda. When it comes through Das Teda, it will be successful and it will be the right way and the right message. May we take a bizecha to be those shluchim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to bring everybody to the right places in the right way in the best way, in the best fashion. So that our Kaddish Baruch Hu so that Kaddish Baruch Hu will see to it that your mission is fulfilled and accomplished and all Achenu Bnei Yisrael will come together hand in hand we will forgive and forget we will love and we will cherish and through this Sheves Achim Gam Yochad Klal Yisrael will be Zeche to Yeshu B'Sukkah Achas to sit together in one Sukkah in Yerushalayim in HaKadosh Hey Tevis we will all call out together, Dida Notzach, it's our victory, it's Shabbos, and in the Babish they would say, I got jumped